0: Welcome to the Wire Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, portfolio manager at Waverton. Now, unless you've been living under a rock for the last year, just thinking about it, probably wouldn't have been a bad place to be, you would have heard about the extraordinary rise in the price of Bitcoin and indeed the beginning of the institutional acceptance of cryptocurrencies more broadly. Um, well, for crypto fans, my guest this week is a big one. His name's Keld van Schweven, and he's an absolute rock star in this space. Having co-founded KR1, which is a UK-listed investment company. Um, He founded it in 2016. And the purpose of the company is to back early-stage blockchain and decentralized finance um, businesses, DeFi businesses, as they're called. Now, Keld was a brilliant guest. We talked about how he started his career after leaving Chelsea Art College uh, in the 90s uh, and his long career in Uh, Payments. Um, We also talk about the fund, uh, his investment process. Actually, he shares some really, really good tips and some advice at the end. So, without further ado, this is the Why Invest podcast. Kel van Schraven, welcome to the podcast. Kel, how did you start your career?
1: Um, I had a bit of a circuitous route to where I got to. Um, I found the web in '94, I I downloaded the first Mosaic browser. I was kind of doing a, a music magazine at the time because I was uh, doing um, working on Quark. It's kind of when the whole Mac DTP, desktop publishing revolution happened. I just left art school, went to Chelsea School of Art. So I, I was kind of in the middle of this kind of computing revolution. And then there was this bigger revolution that happened, which was called the web. And um, I started building web pages for the advertising clients of uh, on the music magazine. Eventually, that turned into an agency. I sold that to Leo Burnett, a big American ad agency in 2000, just rode that whole dot com experience did a couple of startups sold at the right Uh, time very exactly yeah very lucky um not for life-changing money i'd say but just uh did you know it's very very cool experience and then did a couple of startups diary.com was like a social media startup which didn't work out but i segued that into um, a mobile payments company called smart trade which is still going it's done 15 20 million of card transactions for it's a bit like square for smes and uh, that really got me thinking about payments. And about that time, I discovered Bitcoin in about 2013. So that was my sort of journey into it.
0: I see. And then so what drew you then to, to Bitcoin and, and to the crypto space more broadly?
1: Uh, that's the Bitcoin question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, everyone's got the answer. Uh, um, I think it was it was a kind of very mysterious uh, piece of technology. I think because you had this anonymous founder, Satoshi Nakamoto, There's an era sort of mystery about it, but the kind of technology was really incredible, really. I think um, because I was doing payments at the time, I had a sort of eureka moment when you realised that, you know, that uh, this kind of money that we were working with, and especially cards, just didn't fit on the Internet. It was kind of like a square peg in a round hole. Mm. And, um, you know, Mark Anderson, who started the Netscape web browser, famously left a blank icon at the top of the web browser for... sort of e-money and that lady said the bitcoin a sort of tile was that so that that all just came came into fell into into sort of my my head as a sort of um an interesting thing to look into yeah
0: and what do you think can you compare the sort of leap forward that blockchain technology that sort of underpins cryptocurrencies how can you can you compare that to other leap forwards in technology what's it like i mean is it like the printing press for example
1: yeah i think it's definitely we're in a it's definitely a next phase of computing i think we've had you know pcs and then the sort of internet um and actually out of the internet we've had two phases that first was the sort of you know html Mm -hmm. phase of it and then we had the application phase of it you know i was just thinking the other night i remember being on the first yahoo pages Versus now I was doing a yoga class night, which is basically a web application. <laughs> so we've, we, it's just like a completely different experience. And I think we've now moved, shifted into this new uh, phase of uh, crypto solving a lot of the problems that under this. The current internet's really creaking and it's really straining and struggling with privacy and security. And, you know, the web gave us kind of instant information and, you know, crypto is giving us this instant fine finance kind of uh, revolution. Uh, and alongside that, you've got the privacy <clears throat> sort of Web3 upgrade. So it's really like um, power, a parallel <clears throat> approach of sort of a new money revolution and, and another a Web3 web revolution. So it's kind of like a super powerful combination of things. Um, so, yeah, it's basically blockchain is taken mm-hmm. out of the Bitcoin sort of uh, model and it's building this trustless environment, which is kind of stripping out the middlemen. Uh, that's kind of like a revolution in trade, and uh, that's going to change kind of a lot of industries and sectors.
0: Okay, well, we may come back to the um, the, the sort of applications, but let's turn to your company, um, KR One.
1: What what's the purpose of KR One? Yeah, um, I think just before we get into purpose, I think just if we start with our thesis, that might give a bit of help to what yeah. what towards the purpose. So, we our thesis is that blockchains and digital assets are an unparalleled wealth creation opportunity in, in, in our time. So in the next 10 years, decentralized networks and um, also these trustless enterprises will capture trillions in value. And I think our mission for, for uh, is, is to kind of invest in these types of projects. And uh, we're basically a vehicle for investors to find us, realize it's easier to invest in us than the actual assets themselves. Um, although we encourage them to hold crypto because, you know, it's kind of it's uh, very important for them to kind of know what, what what it is they're investing in. We, we, we make it very easy for them to invest and we give them access to these incredible portfolio of digital assets um, that are at an early stage. They won't get access to them. And it, we've, we've, we've also got the opportunity of this um, uh, sort of ISA wrapping. You can put uh, some of the money into Fire an ISA. Mm-hmm. So you know our pitch is that we're sort of a leading digital asset company in Europe, uh, supporting early block stage and decentralized financial projects. Uh, we were the first. We started in two thousand sixteen. We've we've invested <clears throat> in about sixty nine projects, which is pretty crazy in four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of these are sort of DeFi uh, layer one protocols uh, and emerging Web three int- infrastructure. The kind of interesting thing on the on the sort of numbers side for the people out there is that we've turned two and a half million uh, pounds total raised into 55 million in our market cap. So it's 26 multiple of investor capital and and we're a public company. So, you know, we're not a private fund and sort of anyone can access our our shares. They can invest in it. We're on the London Axie. So we're kind of like a bit of a unique comp- uh, company in the crypto space uh, that's accessible by any armchair investor Even people listening today can, they can go onto the Axie market and, you know, mm-hmm. get some more shares
0: so actually i mean on the performance numbers i mean it's it's staggering performance i mean how do you how do you measure yourself what do you compare yourself to i mean if you're investing in in, a, in the stock market it's it's easy to 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 put yourself against the benchmark who, who do you benchmark yourself against
1: uh well probably the wider crypto market i think there isn't anyone in the stock market we really mm-hmm. benchmark ourselves against you've got grayscale with their kind of um Kind of idle asset uh, fund uh, structures in 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 America. That's just a passive vehicle to invest invest in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, you've got Galaxy in in, in on the um, Toronto Exchange. That's kind of a bit more bit more like k One probably the closest to us, but obviously on a bigger scale. So how we measure ourselves is really um, we're kind of we're kind of out on our own a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we're pioneering we pioneered early, early stage investing in the space and we're pioneering staking income so we've just uh, probably the first institution to certainly the first first public institution to invest in staking tokens uh, protocols rather and that's generating a heavy six mm-hmm. figures a month hopefully seven figures a month this year depending on market conditions but yeah it's we're kind of like a bit of an outlier, so we expect com- more competition as we go on.
0: Mm, I see. And going back to the market, I mean, how do you, how do you segment the market and, and, and your market opportunities? Because I mean, it, it's, well, for, for many investors, it's, it, it, the, the technology is in its infancy and the opportunity is, is enormous. I mean, where do you even start when you're, you're trying to A, se- um, segment and, and define the opportunities and then B, um, try and um, apply an investment process?
1: Yeah, um, that's a that's a good question. I think because you know we're in this sort of very fast-moving technology space. You know, a lot of technology is fast-moving, but it, we apply the same old principles of team traction and the technology they're they're creating to really score score the project. So uh, we're not t- kind of sector-specific. Uh, we won't touch certain areas like gambling and and, that, and that pharma. We just won't touch those. So we kind of we like to focus on financial applications, uh, infrastructure, privacy, insurance. Um, And I think, you know, again, going back to the thesis, the web gave us instant information. The crypto digital asset revolution is giving us instant finance. Um, So, you know, uh, blockchain is going to upend the kind of financial industry and many other sectors. So kind of focusing on finance, finance. you know, infrastructure with these layer one protocols. So it's like kind of road and rail eras type of mentality where, you know, we're mm-hmm. still creating the, the kind of the, the kind of network to run these applications on. Yeah. Um, So staying
0: on road and rail, I mean, you know, at the dawn of the industrial revolution, um, a lot of people got carried out uh, on growth. So in other words, a lot of capital was allocated. Um, There was clearly a huge growth opportunity. How do you make the distinction between growth and returns on your investment?
1: Yeah, I think we're well. We're focused on the growth capability, Mm -hmm. capital growth of of the the token. Having said that, there is this new phenomenon of of proof-of-stake networks, which is a more sort of energy efficient um, and kind of generally more efficient secure, not secure, but more more sort of um, efficient way of securing a network. So the proof-of-stake networks will give you a reward for putting collateral up to secure the network, to run the transactions, to make sure there are no bad transactions run, Mm -hmm. Um, and those will give you rewards. So those... We do have a reward type um, uh, a kind of revenue stream really growing quite fast. So we're in this kind of uh, holy grail situation of quite heavy capital growth plus um, yields on top. Mm-hmm. So we actually prefer investing in staking protocols just because of this. But mm-hmm. be- if, it, if they're not um, staking protocol type. Uh, Can networks, you just define
0: staking staking proto- protocol? protocol?
1: Yeah, it's basically a it's a crypto network that uh, is secured by um, the collateral of um, the native token itself so it's not a proof of work model which is Bitcoin which is computational power to to try and find coins and the, the, that process is is securing the network it's called mm-hmm. proof of work so proof of stake is just a, a kind of much more uh, it's kind of like an upgrade of proof of work um, and I'm sure if Satoshi Nakamoto was around today. He'd run a proof-of-stake uh, network. So really? It's just, uh, yeah. So it's just a more efficient um, way of securing a, a crypto network and running the mm-hmm. transactions and make sure there's no double spends in there. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah, we've been very lucky with the timing of that, I think, uh, mm-hmm. where we pioneered this sort of pre-ICO, in investment. We've kind of pioneered certainly on the public um, vehicle side of it the staking side and mm-hmm. uh, with i think the cosmos there was tezos first which we didn't participate in but cosmos uh, that that network was the first we participated in 2018 and we started generating revenue from that so it's really like a unique situation for us where um when we tell some of this, tell some investors this where they're like wow we can't believe we're actually generating this type of revenue mm-hmm. and it's not like proof of work we have to spend a lot of money on that um, mining equipment and servers—it's—it's it's actually done on the network itself, so you, there's no capital, extra capital expenditure. So from our side, we just deploy the the collateral um, which is at risk. So you, if there is—if um, you put it to the—it's called a validator who um, validates the transactions. If that validator does anything bad, then you will get uh, a penalty for that. So there is some kind of risk involved in the proof of stake process, mm-hmm. but um, it's pretty minor. And the returns uh, really outweigh the sort of risk on that side of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we, we're sort of very excited about that. But
0: then staying on the proof of work concept, do you get a sense of how much com- computing power, let's say globally, is, is going into solving the algorithms for, for uh, cryptocurrencies? Uh,
1: well, there's that famous that where it's the whole energy consumption of Denmark.
0: Hmm. Which yeah, to get, yeah. You
1: know, yeah, I wanted but to get your you, comments I mean, on that. Yeah. Is
0: that correct? I mean, that seems nuts that you yeah, have it's so nice.
1: I yeah. mean, I mean, there's been some white papers and PhD work on it. Actually, when you look at it, there's 75% of that is uh, pretty much renewable energy uh, working on that proof of work side of it. A lot of those are Chinese miners that have just plugged into their, their servers next to hydro dams in Saint, the Sichuan province of China. So yeah, but it's about 25% of it is, um, you know, real coal burning probably. Uh, people, you know, th- people are trying to resolve that. Uh, it's a known issue, um, but you know, we are moving to a renewable energy future, and and that will sort of fall in in, in line to that. So it's a very easy argument against Bitcoin to mm-hmm. to throw at it. Um, but Bitcoin is the most secure financial network ever devised, and it will just Grow more valuable as it continues, and certainly as the scarcity um, mm-hmm. increases, it will become much more valuable and more secure network.
0: Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. Over the last two years, I think we've seen more and more institutional um, uh, interest in in the crypto space. Um, have you seen um, a, a big change? I suppose you know since you started off your operations, I and mean, have you seen a big Absolutely, change yeah. in in, in yeah. who you're sort of competing against? Um, and how does that, um, you know, how are you responding to that change?
1: Yeah, I think what we started, we were pretty much the first. The Polychain Fund in, the, in in America is probably the most well-known in the world. They kind of started a couple of months after us. I think there was one fund, fund before us or two funds. So when we started, there was nobody. But also, it wasn't an asset class. I think when we invested in melonport that, that was the first time we saw the word as, new asset class. And that was, um, you know, very, very, very early. So there was no real investor, organized investor community. Uh, It was just all retail, which was probably the first time it's happened in an asset class like this. It was retail investors who led the sort of revolution. So so when we started, there was no competition. But obviously, the whole ICO insanity of sort of 2018 and 2017 and, and early 18, that really you know there were hundreds of crypto funds and obviously they raised money at the height of the cycle and then they couldn't get any alpha (laughs) funnily enough because what happens in these cycles as we've learned is that when the cycle goes to a bull cycle the valuations go from what we're seeing you know now now is sort of like an average 25 million seed valuation in the bear cycle it was seven million you know Mm. so you've got a lot more legwork to do to get your capital back and um You've Got a lot more competition because uh, people have, if, you know, their whole portfolios are sort of uh, floated up a lot. And uh, yeah, it's generally more competitive. So, you know, with the market popped and then they, you know, 90% of the crypto funds just fell away. Where do you think away. we
0: are in the cycle now? I mean, it, it,
1: uh... we're entering the bull, definitely. I mean, <laughs> Bitcoin at 31 this morning, even you know, topped at 40. Um, you know, Ether's hit all time high last week. Polkadot was $18, uh, Cosmos touch nine. I mean, we are bull, flag has been dropped and we're racing towards a, uh, a probably a top in the summer and then uh, sort of a bit of a bear next year. So, you know, again- was, Does that mean we, then
0: you have, you have to be a bit more discerning in your investment process, falling back on your investment process and making sure that you're not sort of overpaying for these assets?
1: Absolutely. I think, you know, we're very, very mindful of that. And uh, we actually prefer to invest in, the bear cycle in the deep, hard, cold crypto winter when there's nothing moving, we like to operate. But you know, because we know the teams are genuine. You know, they are they've survived. They've survived. They 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 mean it. Um, and the valuations are you know much more what what we like. And also, when you look at vesting schedules, you know, if you invest now in the bull cycle, you, you're going to come out with your allocations out into the crypto winter. Yeah, you're going to be waiting till 2025 when the next cycle kicks in. You know, so you know we're, we're a long-only fund. You know, we made our name really by fast recycling of profits, but you know, with vesting and sort of our you know doubling down on on projects, we, we're we're kind of we're we're a multi-year hold on the projects we invest in now and support the support the uh, entrepreneurs.
0: And then can I ask about the regulations? Because it feels like, and perhaps this is an outsider's view, I'm afraid, but it feels like the regular. Environment has has been a bit clunky um, when it comes to crypto, and um, it's been a bit flat-footed and, and behind the curve. Is that is that your experience of it? And, and perhaps um, are there any particular countries or um, areas that that are that are ahead of the curve on this?
1: Yeah, I think you know, with any sort of uh, technology revolution, the kind of uh, the legacy system has time needs time to adjust to what, what what what's happening i think you know actually nobody in a position of authority wants any form of revolution we certainly saw that in the internet times when um you know it was uh it took a long time for the establishment to to kind of regulate it um it took many 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 years and i think we'll say see the same with crypto however you know whereas information is um you know valuable, finan- finan- financial. Uh, kind of activity is critical to the economy so anything that affects that is much more of a, a priority and we're seeing that with uh, the fca and the sec uh, making some moves it, it did take longer than we all thought but what it feels like just stepping back from it is that you know there the the, the the whole environment is being cleaned up and it, it's kind of being cleaned up for um, the kind of the kind of established uh, framework to participate and mesh into it. And I think we're going to be seeing a uh, a divergence of worlds here with a sort of slightly anarchic, decentralized world, um, which is like the um, spinning up a DeFi project in a couple of weeks. And, you know, you've got your your food, food meme, farming meme type DeFi projects will continue f- forever. And the more sort of established central bank digital currency type Um, integrations into projects and have this sort of more heavily regulated environment. So I think it's going to be hard in a pure decentralized format to regulate that out. But those uh, are, you know, those will find their homes in the sort of uh, the Singapore's, the Switzerland's, the Gibraltar's of this world where it's um, and Malta, where you've got sort of regulatory, more regulatory certainty in those environments. But certainly as we move forward, Rishi Sunak in his uh, statement said, you know, we're researching stable coins. We're researching central bank digital currency. You know, what that means is, you know, they're well underway in some kind of stable coin regulation, um, you know, environment in the next few years. And certainly a digital currency program, which, you know, the Bank of England did a study a couple of years ago, which said if you implement a CB central bank digital currency, the GDP, it's like two or three percent on GDP, which is absolutely massive. And in, the, in these times of COVID, they're desperately searching for any type of edge that they, they can give them. And digital assets is the edge that it can give the UK economy in having a more efficient uh, system with um, taxation, benefits and all these types of things, money collection.
0: That's an interesting thought, actually, um, thinking about central bank participation, because arguably, I mean, there is an argument to say that a lot of the appeal of uh, currencies like Bitcoin are, um, or is the fact that it's not underpinned by a central bank, it's not underpinned by nations, and therefore um, cannot be debased by low negative interest rates. Um, if the if the technology then merges, what's the sort of knock on effect? Um, yeah. or, do you see what I mean?
1: Yes, exactly. I think you know. I don't think nation states are in- interested in censorship resistance, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is Bitcoin. And, you know, other types of crypto, I I think they're not primarily interested in that. They're interested in a sort of technological swap out. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like a cheaper, quicker, faster technology swap out. And I think that is the that's the edge they're looking for. So, you know, the the kind of, um, you know, pre-mined. Uh, non-censorship resistant type of digital currencies dare i say it ripple <laughs> you know that type of technology i'm not saying they're going to use that but in some type of technology or or digital asset like that where you can plug and play that in rebrand it i think you're going to see some nation states do that um what i don't think the uk will possibly do that i think they you know they'll look for another solution but i think censorship resistant digital currencies are Outside of these nation state um, economies mm. and how they interoperate with them is very interesting. And that's kind of like there's an admission they exist, but a, a non participation sort of mm-hmm. aspect to it. So, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum could have easily been uh, regulated out of existence a couple of years ago, but you know, FCA and e- SEC yes, are kind of letting it run. um And that's very interesting just to watch on that side. But, you know, those,
0: de- those cens- censorship resistant digital currencies, not the snappiest <laughs> phrase, but um, yeah. would they be um, so valuable um, had central banks not um, pursued such lax monetary policy, such low interest rates, such um, an aggressive form of printing money? And pe- perhaps the second part of that question is, what happens to them when they, that trade reverses and interest rates go up?
1: Very good question. Anomalies. I think your answer is that they wouldn't have existed if there if there'd have been this um, these this kind of uh, issues that we've had with um, trust around the the whole money supply, uh, because Bitcoin was created out of the distrust of the 2008 uh, banking crisis. So it just wouldn't have been created if it wasn't for that. So, you know, it's been created out of a distrust of what nation states have done with the money supplies. And I think, you know, what you're seeing now with COVID and the sort of money printer is an increased distrust of nations with their money supplies and an increased trust in decentralised censorship resistant digital currencies. And that's only going to grow uh, because of we're running into some quite scary scenarios about quantitative easing and once the money printer stops. So that's that's all in playing into the hands of decentralised digital assets
0: let's look to the future and, you know, do these digital assets, um, I think I know the answer to, I think I know your answer to this, but um, do these digital assets um, have a place in, in client portfolios? Are they um, a sort of, do they provide balance to, um, you know, a non-real um, return generating fixed income p- part of the portfolio, for example? Um, yeah. And sort of in future, do you think that they sort of sit well within the alternative space?
1: I think w- where we're at is that I think that um, because we have we live in an online society, um, you just have to walk around the streets. Well, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. you just had to walk around the streets. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's online. You know, uh, we, we didn't have a digital currency on, in our networked uh, lives. And it was the one missing thing out of oh, for our lives. Debit, credit cards and the banking system was like a very bad kludge onto a network. And I think, you know, digital assets feel like an absolutely f- natural fit into a network. It's it's a fluid asset in the network. Bitcoin is sent within minutes around the world for no virtually no cost. Ethereum does trusted transactions in seconds for no cost. This is all on the Internet. And if you believe in the Internet and if you believe in the economic value it created, because through instant information, wh- why don't you think instant money isn't going to create even more economic uh, uh, value than information.
0: Yeah, staying on that thought though, Keld, I mean, do we therefore have to put all fee based income from banks at zero?
1: That's a very scary prospect. I used to run a uh, a startup which was basically taking card payments for small medium sized enterprises. Looking forward I could see a world where that would totally collapse. And I think banks and people sending transactions are going to see their margins erode just as we saw the telecoms industry collapse through the sort of the voice and SMS market collapse to nothing through the um, dominance of free communication via apps like WhatsApp. We're going to see the same collapse via digital currencies. That is absolutely going to, that's the race to zero that's coming. Mm. This time span for that is maybe within 10 years. um, And I think any financial institution, financial institution not taking a position in bitcoin and ethereum and digital assets is on a hiding to nothing and actually you know not they have got their head in the sand and not seeing that you know if this is like before you know this is like 1997 and not realizing the internet's going to change everything for e-commerce this is going to change everything for money investing banking um, any financial application insurance um, even end, end end user application privacy Um, even encrypted high encrypted communications it's a a step change in in the evolution of of how we interact in our online lives
0: It's incredibly exciting for the consumer because the consumer presumably is the one that benefits from this rather than the the corporate who's who's charging the fees
1: Exactly, again coming back to my experiences the the merchants who are always paying the fees, that's the, the small businesses were always complaining about the fees that were charged and it was only because it was the interbank rates charged by the, the cards, the banks that had all these crumbling legacy systems. You know, I had meetings with big banks, top three banks in, in the UK, who basically said to me, we have servers in our offices. What, we, we don't know what's on them and we can't switch them off mm-hmm. because the whole p- patchwork of it's like the plumbing system, the Victorian plumbing system. This legacy, creaking legacy world just doesn't fit in In this new fluid digital economy, I'm afraid those are going just going to be swapped out
0: is there a um within the sort of financial services uh, industry are are there other certain names that are actually investing heavily in this in the same way you saw you know the certain banks i can I could point to that have consistently under invested in technology are the banks that are consistently you know over investing and, and are ahead of the curve in the crypto space?
1: Well, there's certainly banks that have got um, lab type environments. Um, Santander comes to mind. They've had some good projects coming out of that. And, you know, there's Barclays, Lloyds, you know, they've all got incubators, accelerators, they've got crypto components to them. So, you know, they're dabbling on the at the edges of it. Um, but, you know, they hold the gatekeepers to an immense sort of uh, fortress and they, they need to you know, they've got their one eye on what's on the horizon. So, you know, as far as legacy world, I think it's still a wait and see approach. I think on the fund side, again, you know, Americans are always leading the charge. They have a higher stomach for risk than us in in the UK. And I think that, uh, you know, the big hedge fund investors are going early on Bitcoin, you know, the Paul Druckenmillers and the Paul Tudor Joneses and those type of swashbuckling characters are all blazing the trail and, I think it was very exciting to see rougher Investments in London with their Bitcoin um deployment of uh, half of uh, 450 million just for Christmas that that announcement was really exciting to see so you know we're starting to see you know clients pestering their wealth managers and funds say hey what is this thing I need some exposure to it I don't like this sort of potential in uh, inflationary situation Bitcoin looks a very great anti-inflation hedge you know, are there any other digital assets? You know, what's this Ethereum? You know, find me some other funny so ones. So see that,
0: actually, just staying on that thought as, as Bitcoin is an inflation head, because I'm always um, intrigued as to, you know, the point of Bitcoin was a sort of decentralized transaction currency. And now the point of Bitcoin or, or investors are using Bitcoin as a store of value, you know, equivalent to gold. Um, how does one yeah. square that?
1: I think, I think basically... And actually, there might be a new narrative that comes out of Bitcoin, which is it was set up as peer to peer payment system, <laughs> you know, to pay for your coffees and stuff. That still might play out because I think we might go to a world where a Satoshi, you know, there's 100 million Satoshis in a Bitcoin. We might have a world where you spend Satoshis on a coffee. But I think, you know, to come back to your question, I think, uh, you know, because Bitcoin is a is an untamperable network and it cannot be quantitatively eased people and investors are looking for assets that can't be QE'd out of existence. Gold, precious metals, art, you know, and Bitcoin is probably the most secure uh, financial uh, network ever devised in the world. And, you know, they, they're they finding that actually the numbers stack up, it's hacker proof, no one's broken it. This double spend thing that was floating around a couple of weeks ago is absolute nonsense. And I think, you know, investors are, Seeing the uh, the you know the, the online digital world we're, we're moving to, and it needs a digital uh, store of value, and Bitcoin is it. And that whole narrative is being reinforced by people they trust. And the, you know, once that happens, the, the the FOMO effect is kicking in, and um, you know, money starts piling in. It's kind of you're not going to get fired from your job because you know X, Y, Z have done it down the road at X, Y, Z funds, and I think mm-hmm. that's just kind of what we're seeing now.
0: So true, so interesting. Um Kel, final question. What advice would you give um to someone who's starting out, maybe an analyst or associate or, or graduate who's who's coming out of um university? Um, what advice would you give to them um, if they want to pursue a career in cryptos? And then specifically, you know, where are the skill shortages? Are you, you know, lacking computer programmers, um, data scientists? What 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 advice would you give um, to that cohort
1: yeah i think um basically you know there's the whole world wide web well he's called the world wide web. just go onto the web <laughs> showing my age there. the just internet yeah, onto, yeah yeah, <laughs> <it's the> inter, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um you know it's basically read 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 just read 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 as much as you can i mean i think george janos and i spent years reading about this and before we even you know got you know, any sort of visibility I think, you know, um, just read as much as you can. There's uh, YouTube is brilliant for absorbing information. Um, so just go online and just do some research on Bitcoin, Ethereum, Polkadot, Cosmos, and just start to immerse yourself in these new crypto networks. There's a great book by Camilla Russo called The Unstoppable Machine, which is a great read about Ethereum. That's, that's uh, very much recommended. Um, there are lots of really good free webinars now. We've gone sort of into virtual conference world. The most of those are free. Just join conferences and just start listening to what people are saying. And just go and hold some crypto. Go into Coinbase. Buy a little bit of a sliver of Bitcoin. Buy a sliver of a bit of, of Ether. Um, dare I say it, you know, look at the K1 portfolio. But just get <laughs> some crypto and start playing around with it. And finally, for the skills shortages, absolutely, there's a there's a big holes in in the whole sort of uh, um, sort of uh, community, uh, developers de- you know the developer shortage on Ethereum, Polkadot, Cosmos, Definity they're all looking for developers. On the on the uh, financial and data sides, yeah, there's brilliant thing about blockchain is it's got lots of chain analysis, and there's loads of work to be done on that. That's people are only just starting on that, and if there's any sort of analytical people out there, they can just start putting a blog up, start looking at the data, start blogging about what they find. That'll get them a name and then they'll get picked up by a fund, no doubt. And if they want to become part of an investment fund, then yeah, start up your own portfolio. Go to go to an enzyme.finance where you can spin up your own fund for virtually pennies. And then you can there's like a leaderboard approach there where people can see what you're investing in, your thesis is behind it. Uh, that's a really amazing project to for any young, hungry fund type investor, people out there to to, to to kind of get involved in. So there's plenty of opportunity. We're at the start of this. It's very, you're not early, but you're not late either. And you can really, uh, you know, make a um, a really interesting career out of this if you just start researching now.
0: Well, that sounds very exciting. Kel Van Traden, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton, and our guest this week, Keld van Schwaven. If you want any more information about KR1, do check out their website at cryptonight1.co um, or indeed just Google KR1. Um, there's an awful lot of content up online um, about Keld and indeed his business. Um, now, if you've enjoyed the podcast, then subscribe to it and like it and tell your friends. The information provided during this podcast does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or an
1: offer to sell a security.